peace in the valley for me. O nine hundred reporting for duty. I am always very glad to be here and to see you here and for us to be together here. Uh, because I know that it's God's will that we do that. And and by together, I mean uh, under the circumstances and our current situation, whether that be in person, the folks that are actually here physically, uh, and the folks that are joining us via the electronic uh, on the website. Um, uh, and, 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 and let me, let me just pause to say that uh, one of the things that I'm most thankful for, and you know, I, w- I always want to be careful when I have the, the microphone from, from sounding like, you know, the, the Pharisee and the tax collector, uh, you know, Lord, thank you that we're better than them and all that, you know, it's not like that at all. It's, it's, uh, very sincerely, uh, I'm thankful that, uh, that as a congregation and under the leadership of our elders and uh and with with the attitude that that uh, everyone has here that uh, there there hasn't been any harsh judgment toward one side or another where uh folks that have decided it's time for them to come back uh have uh, have uh, exercised any harsh judgment toward the folks that uh that are their comfort level uh uh motivates them to study uh, and to participate from electronically, uh, uh, which is, is still, in at least in my mind, equal to uh, both sides are equal, one side to the other. And there hadn't, I had, at least I hadn't heard any harsh judgment about that or any strong opinions uh, being levied on, levied on anybody, uh, realizing that we're all praying for a time where we can be back together physically because that's a, a scriptural example that we've been given. Uh, and uh, so in, in my studies uh, over the past uh, few weeks uh, for the preparing for the minor prophets and, and, and in my focus on Obadiah for the past week, uh, the one thing that I've learned, the thing that sticks out most in my mind is that, man, you better do what God says. You better do it, Right. Uh, but first, you've got to figure out what it is. That's why we read and study the word. Study to show thyself approved unto God. Uh, and, and, you know, you say, well, attend class to prove yourself uh, approved unto God and, and do this and that. Listen to others. Well, study yourself individually to show yourself approved unto God, right? So that you need not be ashamed. Um, and uh, that takes time management. And work, but most of all, it takes desire—desire desire to please God and to satisfy His will. 
whenever I have an opportunity to teach, I also like to say something about how uh, we, there there are, I can think off the top of my head of a good number of, of men uh, uh, in the congregation who would do a better job of, of this than me. Uh, I assure you, because most of the time I'm sitting out there listening to these guys. But uh, but I like to, uh, I have enough, I think, of an ability to afford those guys a break occasionally. So that's uh, that's mostly what I, I feel like I'm doing. But I, I, I also accept all the responsibilities that come with doing this fully, I hope, uh, to the extent that they do. Uh, part of me would rather be sitting over there listening to them because uh, these things are so important to me. But here I am, right? And... Uh, 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 I know that uh, with regard to them taking a break, I, I really doubt that they are. <laughs> In the Air Force, we said, if you want something done, ask somebody busy. Ask somebody who's busy because you know they'll get it done, right, because they're always doing something. Uh, but anyway, we pray for those men. A uh, lot of material, a uh, lot to cover. Obadiah is the shortest book in the Old Testament, uh, yet I, uh, having been reading about Obadiah and then making all the connections to other scriptures and history and and both the Old Testament and the New, uh, I could spend a quarter teaching the shortest book in the Old Testament. So this is why we never stop studying to show ourselves approved because, you know, at my age, and I'm still quite young, I'm already forgetting a lot of things that I, because I've studied the minor prophets before, now that I'm looking at them again, I'm like, oh, I'd forgotten that. I'd forgotten that. Completely. I know I've studied this book before. When, how did that get there? Right? It's always been there. Right? So, uh, let us, let us, uh, start with prayer. It looks like most of us are in and settled, so let's begin with a prayer. You pray with me. Loving. Father in heaven, full of grace. And mercy. We hope today that as you look into our hearts that you find us exalting your holy name and edifying one another and dedicated to learning more about your will with the desire, Father, not to consider our preacher to be the speaker here and us to be the audience, but knowing that he is our prompter, we are the speakers, and the audience is out there waiting to hear the message of the good news and glad tidings from Jesus Christ. We pray, Father, that you would be with us in our studies this morning and always. Help us, Father, to be good stewards of the time that you have given us, both here in this place and when we depart from here. Because we realize, Father, that you indeed are with us always. Let us never forget that. And thank you most of all for Jesus who went to that cross in our stead and died that horrible death that we might be able to be with you for all of eternity. And it's in his name we pray. Amen.
All right, I got my bolo on today and my cowboy boots. My hat's out there on the rack so that uh, the good citizens of the Republic of Texas do not revoke my citizenship. I have to do that occasionally. You have to meet certain requirements to keep getting your dividend, so don't judge there. All right, so <clears throat> quick review on the motivation because we want to stay motivated. Uh, remember, repetition increases retention by 80%. Men make up their own statistics, but I'm sure that's close. So if we are expected, like we talked about last week, to speak as of the oracles of God from First Peter chapter 4 and verse 11, and then Hebrews 5, and this will be quick, it's very brief. we got to get into Obadiah. Hebrews chapter 5. And if Hebrews chapter 5 and beginning with verse 12 says, for by this time, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God, the word of God. And you have come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But solid food belongs to those who, and this is where we want to be, right? Solid food belongs to those who are of full age. That is, those who by reason of use... We decided that was application. Remember Bloom's cognitive taxonomy, knowledge, comprehension, application, and then analysis, synthesis, and evaluation. Read about that. Those who, by reason of use, the oracles of God applying the word of God, have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Okay, so it is the word of God, the oracles of God, that teach us the difference between right and wrong. I assure you the world wants you to, to learn a different version of right and wrong. So if we see from 1 Peter chapter 4, 11, that we are to speak as of the oracles of God, and I believe that that's in everything, and that we learn the word of God and we speak it again here from Hebrews chapter 5, because by reason of use, we learn the difference between right and wrong. And then 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 10 told us, Paul, in fact, begged us, he pled with us, to speak the same thing, talking about our unity there, and that we all be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. So then, here's something for you to meditate on this week. This will be one of the numerous assignments I give you throughout this hour. How can we have any expectation of obedience to these things or pleasing God about our unity without coming together like we are here now, studying from the oracles of God the same thing at the same time together? This is why it's important for... Uh, the teachers who are teaching classes down the hallway who are missing this or someone who is sick and misses a lesson from the pulpit to go back and, and watch the tape. Review that so that we are all learning the same thing at the same time so we can speak the same thing at the same time, basically growing together. Kind of helps us better uh, begin to better understand Ephesians chapter 4 that we talked about last week where uh, equipping the saints for the work of ministry. Remember that? Uh, it said it gave these, it gave apostles, gave prophets, gave elders, gave preacher, evangelist, teachers. Uh, and their purpose is to equip the saints uh, for the work of ministry for edifying the body till we all come to the unity of the faith 
Um, and, and that passage there at Ephesians 4 is referred to all the time when you're teaching folks about elders and the preacher and the teachers and their responsibility. But folks, you got to look at it again because that passage really ain't about them. It's about the saints being equipped. So the responsibility. So, okay, who is this passage in Ephesians 4 signing responsibility to? The, the folks being equipped. That's what that's about. Go back and look at it again. That's, that's the thesis. That's the purpose statement of that passage. But yes, it does also speak of the responsibilities of those people who, who equip the saints. But we need to emphasize both sides of that formula. Remember that. So, um, so a couple of things about the prophets in general. What, you know what? We're going to work backwards. I'm going to turn the page. And we're going to start in Obadiah, and we're going to come back to some of the general things about prophets in general. Uh, so the book of Obadiah. Um, when uh, when you look at uh, Obadiah, you see that the actions of Edom during the Chaldean invasion of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, right? So when Nebuchadnezzar besieged Jerusalem, the Edomites joined him and took an active part in the plunder of the city and the slaughter. Let me find out real quick in this Bible. Amos, Obadiah, Jonah. Sometimes I forget that O comes between A and J. Okay, here we go. Thank goodness my grandkids, uh, the kids in general, my kids grew up singing the song. They got a song about the books of the Old Testament because that's how I... Okay, yeah. All right. Obadiah. Starting off here in the, in the first couple of verses, thus says the Lord of God concerning Edom. We have heard a report from the Lord and a messenger has been sent among the nations saying, arise and let us rise up against her for battle. Behold, I will make you small among the nations. You shall be greatly despised. And I'm going to jump down to verse 10 just for our purposes right now, where it says, for violence against your brother Jacob, shame shall cover you. And you shall be cut off forever in the day that you stood on the other side. In the day that strangers carried away captive forces, when foreigners entered his gates and cast lots for Jerusalem, even you were as one of them. But you should not have gazed on the, on the day of your brother, in the day of his captivity, nor should you have rejoiced over the children of Judah. In the day of their destruction, nor should you have spoken proudly in the day of distress. You should not have entered the gate of my people in the day of their calamity. Indeed, you should not have gazed on their affliction in the day of their calamity, nor laid hands on their substance in the day of their calamity. You should not have stood at the crossroads to cut off those among them who escaped, nor should you have delivered up those among them who remained in the day of distress. For the day of the Lord upon all the nations is near. As you have done, it shall be done to you. Your reprisal shall return upon your head. When Nebuchadnezzar besieged Jerusalem, the Edomites joined him and took an active part in the plunder of the city and the slaughter of the Jews. The book of Obadiah is an account against Edom. The name Edom was another name for Esau, meaning red. So it goes back to, and we'll go back in a moment and talk about Jacob and Esau from the time they were in, in Rebecca's womb, excuse me. Back in Genesis 25 through 27, we'll talk about some of that. So Esau was called Edom because of some of the red stew he ate. And then when, uh, 
uh, when uh, Isaac died, uh, uh, Esau went and settled in the region that you look at these maps in the back of your Bible where Edom, uh, or Idumea, you see it on some of the maps, is down right at the southern part of the, right just south, due south of, uh, of the Dead Sea. And then in some of the maps, uh, for later time periods, it curve, kind of curves around, looks like it's, uh, a little bit on the southwest side, but uh, kind of covers that area. This give you a visual like that. All right. uh, this nation descended from Esau and therefore was related to Judah. Second Chronicles chapter twenty-five tells us that they were idolaters. Let's take a look just real quick there. Second Chronicles chapter 25, <clears throat> and we're just going to look here at uh, 14, 15, and 20 where it says, Now it was so after Amaziah came from the slaughter of the Edomites that he brought the gods of the people of Seir, Mount Seir, uh, set them up to be his gods and bowed down before them and burned incense to them. Therefore the anger of the Lord was aroused against Amaziah. And he sent him a prophet who said to him, Why have you sought the gods of the people which could not rescue their own people from your hand? And then in verse 20 he said, But Amaziah would not heed, for it came from God, that he might give them into the hand of their enemies because they sought the gods of Edom, other gods. So they were idolaters. Um, it was one of Judah's closest neighbors lying on that southeast border down there. Uh, however, throughout the history of these two nations, there was an extreme dislike, uh, repugnance, disgust. It was worse than just an extreme dislike uh, that, that characterized the relationship between the two that began with Jacob and Esau. The hostility uh, began even there in the womb. And let's take a look at Genesis chapter 25, just to make sure we got the history on this. Because this, this is going to be relevant throughout, uh, you know, as we study the minor prophets here. Go back to <clears throat> Genesis chapter 25. I'm going to start with verse 21 there where it says, Now Isaac pleaded with the Lord for his wife because she was barren, and the Lord granted his plea, and Rebekah his wife conceived. But the children struggled together within her. And she said, if all is well, why am I like this? So she went to inquire of the Lord, and the Lord said to her, two nations are in your womb. You imagine God telling you something like that? Why are you got, you carrying twins? Two nations are in your womb. Two peoples shall be separated from your body. One people shall be the stronger and the other than the other, and the other shall serve the younger. So, so it begins. And then uh, Rebecca inquired of God uh, there in uh, twenty-two verse and, and twenty-three, and then he he answered her. So that was wise of her to inquire of God. Right? What's going on here? Um, and it is at times like that that we pray. Uh, so. Um, Let's also look here at, uh, uh, so, you know, when, when they were being born, uh, we read on here between 25 and 27 where, uh, Jacob and Esau are born. They come out and, uh, 
Jacob grabs the heel of Esau on the way out. And then that's, that's part of how he, he got his name, uh, for, uh, grabbing the heel. And then, uh, something I read said that in the Hebrew that his name also means supplanter. Right. Um, and then, uh, in 25 verse, uh, 29 through, uh, 30, 34, we see that Esau sells his birthright. He comes in from the field, uh, and he's, he's famished. He's, he's weak. And I get the impression, uh, from le- a lot of lessons I've heard that's, uh, nearly unto death. And then, uh, Jacob's there cooking a stew. And so he asked for some of that stew. The stew is red. And then Esau is also called Edom, which means red. But he says, uh, Look, I'm about to die. So what is this birthright to me in verse 32? Then Jacob said, swear to me as of this day. And so he, Esau, swore to him and sold his birthright to Jacob. And Jacob gave Esau bread and stew of lentils. Then he ate and drank, arose and went his way. Then Esau despised his birthright. And then over in chapter 27, we jump over and we see that Jacob also receives Isaac's blessing. Uh, that, you know, in, uh, under the Old Testament law, normally would have gone to Esau because he was oldest. He was born first, right? So, um, uh, so there was a plan of deception here where, uh, uh, Rebecca tells Jacob to go get some fur to cover his arm, uh, so that, uh, Isaac, who obviously couldn't see well, would feel that hairy arm, uh, in the back of his neck, you know, and say, oh, this is my son Esau. He put on some of his clothes so that Isaac would even recognize his scent. And he was a man of the field, a hunter. So, I, you know, it sounds like there there would have been a scent there that uh, that gave that away uh, for Isaac. And so she cooks up a pot of stew and she kind of contrives this plan to deceive Isaac out of the blessing. And Jacob goes in. Uh, Isaac is a little bit. Uh, suspicious, but ends up giving that blessing to Jacob there in chapter 27. And, and uh, so your assignment is to read that also, because for the sake of time, we're just not going to read through the whole thing right now. I'm kind of uh, summarizing this for our purposes here to get us uh, back to talking about Obadiah and the prophets. But uh, but this is a foundation for this stuff. So um, uh, the hostility began here with these things in Genesis chapter 25 through 27, and it was sharpened. It became worse by Edom's refusal later to allow Israel to pass through the land on the way to Canaan in Numbers 20, um, which you can contrast with Deuteronomy chapter 2 and verse 2 and 3, uh, where it says, marching on the way to Canaan, God told them not to set foot in there, to stay away from there, right? Um, but uh, in Numbers 20, Um, let's look at, start with verse 14 there.
where Moses sent messengers from Kadesh to the king of Edom. Thus says your brother Israel. Check it out. Your brother Israel. So see the connection there? You know all the hardship that has befallen us, how our fathers went down to Egypt, and he dwelt in Egypt a long time, and the Egyptians afflicted us and our fathers. When we cried out to the Lord, he heard our voice and sent the angel and brought us up out of Egypt. Now here we are in Kadesh, a city on the edge of your border. Please let us pass through your country. We will not pass through fields or vineyards, nor will we drink water from your wells. We will go along the king's highway. We will not turn aside to the right hand or the left until we have passed through your territory. Then Edom said to him, you shall not pass through my land lest I come out against you with the sword. So, and then down to verse 21, it, it restates that Edom refused to give Israel passage through this territory, so Israel turned away from him. <clears throat> so there's that. Their enmity intensified when Edom was conquered by David in Second Samuel 8, beginning verse 13. Where it says, and David made himself a name when he returned from killing 18,000 Syrians in the Valley of Salt. He also put garrisons in Edom. Throughout all Edom, he put garrisons, and all the Edomites became David's servants. And the Lord preserved David where he went. So the Edomites here became David's servants. Um, and so when we go back and look at uh, uh, in Genesis uh And 27, where uh, Isaac is given a blessing to Jacob <clears throat> by way of deception. Let's start with verse uh, 27, where it says, And he came near and kissed him, and he smelled the smell of his clothing, and blessed him, and said, Surely the smell of my son is like the smell of a field, which the Lord has blessed. Therefore... May God give you of the dew of heaven, of the fatness of the earth, and plenty of grain and wine. Let peoples serve you and nations bow down to you. Be master over your brethren. So uh, under under the law that they were subject to, uh, this blessing even concluded uh, included the patriarchy, right, of the family. So he gave that to him. And let your mother's sons bow down to you. Cursed be everyone who curses you, and blessed be those who bless you. So you want to pay particular part to, to the part here where it says, cursed be everyone who curses you, because there'll be some of that going on. Um, and then Esau comes in and learns of this. You, you know, you think he shouldn't be too surprised because he sold his birthright for a meal, right? Um, and then down in verse 32 uh, with Esau, Isaac said to him, Who are you? And he said, I am your son, your firstborn, Esau. Then Isaac trembled exceedingly and said, Who? Where is the one who hunted game and brought it to me? I ate all of it before you came, and I have blessed him, and indeed he shall be blessed. When Esau heard the words of his father, he cried with an exceeding great and bitter cry and said to his father, Bless me, me also, O my father. But he said, your brother came with deceit and has taken away your blessing. And Esau said, is he not rightly named Jacob? For he was supplanted. Uh, he has supplanted me these two times. He took away my birthright and now he has taken away my blessing. And he said, have you not reserved a blessing for me? That's not how it worked. 
uh, under the law that they were subject to. Then Isaac answered and said to Esau, Indeed, I have made him your master and all his brethren. I have given to him as servants with grain and wine have sustained him. But what shall I do now for you, my son? And Esau said to his father, Have you only one blessing, my father? Bless me, me also, O my father. And Esau lifted up his voice and wept. Then Isaac, his father, answered and said to him, Behold, your dwelling shall be of the fatness of the earth and of the dew of heaven from above. By your sword you shall live and you shall serve your brother. And it shall come to pass when you become restless uh, that you shall break his yoke from your neck. Uh, so a couple things to point out here. Uh says, do you have a blessing for me? And he gives him this thing that's really more of a curse than a blessing because the blessing went to Jacob. Uh, but in this, he says, it shall come to pass that when you become restless, you shall break his yoke from your neck. So uh, indicating uh, from what I read that uh, uh, that Esau may indeed enjoy uh, the upper hand occasionally for a little while. And we see some of that as we read through uh, the continuation of the history of uh, of Israel and the Edomites. Um, but he says, you shall serve your brother. Uh, so you can see how some bitterness would come out of all this, right? That might last a long time. Uh, a lot of, or some of the things that I read where these guys get carried away with their, their examination of prophecy, because you know, the only way that you can know that something is prophetic or that something is the fulfillment of a prophecy is that God tells you so, right? Uh, and, uh, uh, where they're looking at the current situation, they get into all kind of politics and about the, the squabbles that are going on in the Middle East, uh, but we're not going to do that in this class because uh, uh, I lack the, I avoid the news. Uh, I don't, I don't keep track of this stuff. It's, uh, uh, and I, I don't endorse it. Uh, nothing good comes out of all that. Uh, so, uh, so you see the intensity growing here, but also uh, we want to look at uh, uh, Romans. Let's take a look at Romans chapter 9 and 10 through 13. Romans chapter 9, I'll begin with verse 10. It says, not only this, but when Rebekah also had conceived by one man, even by our father Isaac, parenthetically it says here for the children not yet being born nor having done any good or evil that the purpose of God according to election might stand not of works but of him who calls Um, it was said to her that the older shall serve the younger as it is written Jacob I have loved but Esau I have hated so backing up to the parenthetical part where it says um for the children not yet being born or haven't done anything good or bad, right? So in other words, these children, Jacob and Esau, Esau wasn't being punished uh, for, for anything he had done. Obviously, he's still in the womb. That the purpose of God, according to election, might stand. So uh, all of this analytical stuff that you read in the politics and in the history and everything about, well, why, you know, uh, uh, why, why did, uh, Jacob get Esau's birthright and his blessing? Tells you the reason right here. You need search no further. 
This is a reason. Because it was the will of God. Sometimes we have to accept that without looking for reason beyond that. Uh, which can be difficult because it's, uh, you know, it's, it's difficult for physical beings to, uh, to comprehend spiritual concepts. But when you're looking for a reason for why that happened, stop here. It was the will of God. There are other things that happened in a relationship between uh, the descendants of Jacob and Esau. After that, you can look at the reasons for that, but be careful with the, even that, right? Um, and so their enmity intensified when Edom was conquered by David, and then there was mutual ha- mutual hatred that was fed by constant wars between the Edomites and the Judean kings who followed David, the Judean kings after David. Um, and, and also, while we're talking about Jacob and Esau, I meant to look at Ephesians chapter 1 real quick. Galatians, Ephesians chapter 1. We're in the New Testament here. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3 and 4, where it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as he chose us. Just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. He chose us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. And then go on and read chapter Ephesians verse 5 where it talks about, it gives us a description of the church that we ought to be. Uh, that, uh, of course, takes you back to 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 10 where we started out about our unity, right? And Jesus' prayer in John 17. So... Uh, yeah, it came to a climax uh, with the Edomites' mistreatment of the Jews at the time of the Babylonian invasion. And there are a couple of verses we're going to look at on that because that's the focus of Obadiah uh, in the very short uh, book in the Old Testament there. Um, so one thing to be careful about when you're studying for these classes, uh, uh, when, you're, when you're studying just in general. You know, this is, this is one of those study Bibles, right? Uh, not, I don't believe it's a product of... Uh, of uh, our brethren, but uh, it says here in that little introduction they give at the front of the chapter. So this is the the non-inspired part where it just says this is you know the author and the date and the place of writing and the unity and the theme. And then it says here uh, the parallels between Obadiah uh, one through nine and Jeremiah forty nine seven through twenty two have caused many to suggest some kind of interdependence between Obadiah and Jeremiah, but it may be that both prophets were drawing on a common source not otherwise known to us. <laughs> I'm going to let you know what that common source was, okay? Turn with me to Second Peter chapter 1. This is not the common source they're referring to there, okay? Second Peter chapter 1, verse 20 and 21, where it says, Knowing this first, that no prophecy of Scripture is of any private interpretation. For prophecy never came by the will of man, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. There's your common source. Okay? You need look no farther than that. 
So if these men were inspired by that Holy Spirit to write things 300 years apart, having never met one another, that are exactly alike, that's because it came from a common source. Right? This common source. The God of heaven and earth. Okay, and remember that when you start reading uh, deceptive information like that. Uh, you remember what uh, Bob taught us about uh, uh, miraculous things, about tracing the lineage of a seed of grain, right? Uh, every, every head of grain on this earth came from a seed from a previous grain and on down the line. But Jesus, with the loaves and the fishes, all of a sudden he makes all this bread out of nothing uh, to show that he has mastery over nature, mastery over all of creation with the miracles that we read about in the New Testament. And it works the same way with the prophecies of Scripture. We read this in Second uh, Peter chapter 1, 20 and 21 there, right? Uh, th- these are things that come from God. Uh, not really uh, up to us to question, be- question beyond what Scripture tells you. You see all these in search of programs on TV where, where scientists try to figure out how they crossed the Red Sea or how they got all those animals into that ark and then they're crunching numbers and they're doing math and they're building arcs and all this. All that's unnecessary. It's a waste of time, money, and resources, and and putting that show together. Those people should be at home studying their Bible, studying with one of us, right? But they're they're wasting all this time because it should be sufficient that God said he got all those animals on the ark. It should be sufficient for us to know that God parted the Red Sea and they crossed on dry land without looking for some kind of natural disaster that, that occurred upstream, right? All right. So anyway, just food for thought there. Spend spend your time reading your Bible and studying the Word of God and fellowshipping with one another and leave all of that stuff to uh, someone else until you have a chance to study with them and correct them in the error of their ways. All right. So, um, and it came to a climax with the Edomites' mistreatment of the Jews at the time of the Babylonian invasion. Let's look at, uh, well, I want to look at Ezekiel 25. We have other verses down here, but we're... Running, uh, we gotta pay attention to our time. Ezekiel 25, 12 through 14. It's a coincidence that, uh, that our focus at Obadiah is also right there around 12 through 14. But uh, Ezekiel 25, 12 through 14 where it says, Thus says the Lord God, because of what Edom did against the house of Judah by taking vengeance, now, who, who does vengeance belong to? Correct. To God. Not Edom. Not you and I. Right? So, uh, by taking vengeance and has greatly offended by avenging itself on them, therefore thus says the Lord God, I will also stretch out my hand against Edom, cut off man and beast from it, and make it desolate from Taman. Dadan shall fall by the sword. I will lay my vengeance on Edom by the hand of my people, Israel, that they may do in Edom according to my anger and according to my fury, and they shall know my vengeance, says the Lord God. I'm seeing the word my a lot, and it's capitalized here because it's God's. It's God's vengeance, God's fury, God's anger, right? And, and we, we, we keep saying, uh, in all these lessons and to one another, give it to God. 
Give it to God. Let Him handle it. But we're, it doesn't mean we're so good at that, right? Uh, but here's another example of, yeah, you better. This is not just a suggestion, right? Uh, you can find, uh, however you want to define it, command, example, necessary inference, right? Uh, uh, it's in there over and over and over. Give it to God. Let Him handle it. Don't try to do His job for Him. Suppress your anger. Don't get caught up in revenge because that was the sin of the Edomites that got them put in line for all this destruction by doing this vengeance themselves. So these things resulted in the prophets' denunciations, prophets plural, because as we continue to study the prophets, we're going to see where there are more denunciations uh, of Edom and their predications of the nations and destruction. So uh, I, I assume that all of you have read already read the book of Obadiah, uh, so you already probably already know most of the things that we talked about this morning. But like I said, repetition recreases intention by 80%. Thank you. I forgot my statistic. <clears throat> and so uh, study. Study to show thyself approved unto God. Or we could rearrange the emphasis there and say study to show thyself approved unto God. Or we could say study to show thyself approved unto God. However you want to emphasize that, emphasis mine, emphasis yours, they say, uh, do it. Study outside of here. This is a supplement to your own study. It's like you eat a, a healthy, nourishing diet, I hope, and then you supplement that with some vitamins and some calcium and some vitamin D and, and whatever you take, right? And that's good. That's fine if your doctor told you to do that, right? So the things that, that you participate in when you come here, uh, whether it be online or in person, these are supplements to your own study. Your study is the healthy, well-balanced diet of God's Word. If it's backwards in your life, if Bible class and Wednesday night and the things that you're learning here when we come together in this place uh, are the... If you think that's your diet... If that's your well-rounded, balanced, healthy diet, you got things backwards, right? This is the supplement to your own study outside of here. All right? That's, that's the, the healthy, well-balanced diet. This is a supplement because think about it. We're only here for about three hours a week, maybe four, maybe four. Is it four? I'm, I'm asking the church secretary, how long are we here? I think it's about four hours, four hours a week. Think about your time outside of here. It's way whole lot more than this. You got eight hours for rest each day, or six if you're me, and then you got probably eight hours that you need to work. So you got rest, you got work. There's eight hours, eight hours left, and we're only here for four hours a week. Eight hours a day, you got all that time times seven times a week, and 56 plus the additional time on the weekends. You see what I'm saying, right? So where's the majority of our time going? Facebook? Oh, yeah, that's a zinger right there. Newspaper, magazines, television, I don't know. Uh, remember, Satan is prowling about like a roaring lion looking for some soul to devour. Uh, 
and and it's you can find that happening in a lot of our misplaced activities uh, and in our, our poor time management with regard to the things of God. So think about those things throughout the week. Go back and look at our motivational scriptures and Ephesians chapter 4. Uh, and next week, uh, I will say a couple more things about Obadiah, and then we'll move quickly into... Uh, to our, oh, I was going to mention, too, my, I like to cite and integrate my sources. I already showed you this uh, uh, commentary from Coy Roper. I'm careful not to say the brother Coy Roper like we do sometimes because a bro dot, you know, sometimes we get to use in brother like a, like a uh, title or something and it's not. We don't find that in the Bible. So, uh, he's not the brother Jerry Jones. I don't address him around here. You know, it's, it's, he's Jerry Jones, my brother. Okay. So we, we're careful with that too. So anyway, Coy D. Roper's got a PhD, written some good stuff. He is a brother. Uh, and then the one I forgot last week, and I forgot my notes, by the way, last week. This is uh, Milt Langston. The notes came out of the website from the Southgate Church of Christ where John Sherrill, the brother of Mike Sherrill, is preaching, at least last I heard, there in San Angelo. Small world. Uh, thank you for your attention, and have a good week.